Hi, Catherine Free here with God's Love Song Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited about the word that God has for us today. As a matter of fact, we're going to go and we're going to join a live um, online Bible study that I was doing. So I want you to go get your Bible, go get your journal, go get your pen, go get your highlighter, get whatever it is that you need so you can be fully engaged. Be ready to participate in the conversation. Be ready to receive revelation. Be ready to receive impartation in the name of Jesus. But most importantly, bring your expectation and bring the supply of the Holy Spirit that is within you. That's how you'll get the most out of it. Amen? Amen. Let's go join the Bible study, shall we? All right. Praise God. Praise God. So grateful to be here for another Bible study. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and open us up in prayer. And we will go from there, all right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for gathering us here today. Thank you for being in our midst, and we thank you for the word that you have for us today. Awaken our ears to hear as ones who are taught by you. Minister to us, Holy Spirit, and breathe on the word that comes forth, causing it to come alive to us and in us. Take us to the next level in believing you and in receiving from you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me in the name of Jesus, and I say, teach us and we shall be taught. I speak that the seed of God's word is planted in the fertile soil of each person's heart. And I speak that it is received with understanding and that it shall not be stolen or choked out and that it shall not wither away. Rather, it shall take root and bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, so much for this wonderful word. We come with expectation to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, and so you're going to hear a little bit of review. Um, and the reason is because um, I'm building a foundation, you know, and a building yeah. can be as strong as its foundation. And so after a while, it's going to get to the point where I'm not going to need to repeat it. But just now, um, and for the next little while, maybe just to solidify the foundation so that as we build on it, that building will be strong. Okay? Yeah. Yes. All right. So we've been saying that God has wonderful things to in store for you. And he has new things for us. God has wonderful things in store for us. And he has new things that he wants to show us and new places that he wants to take us. But in order for this to happen, there's something that we have to do. And that thing that we have to do is let go of our dependence on what we know and place our total reliance on him. Okay, so this is what God says. This is part of a prophetic word that he gave me going into January of this year. Um, and it's based on um, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. And we'll get to that in a minute. But this is part of the prophetic word that God gave me coming into this year. He says, there are new places I want to take you. Let go of your dependence on what you know. The knowledge you have is good, and there's a place for it. But if you place your dependence on it, it's going to hinder you from going where I am trying to take you. Place all of your reliance on me, and do not fear, for I will not, will not 
forsake you. And what he's saying, saying in that, and he gave this to me last week, just plain and simple, he's saying, let me lead you. Just give me the reins and let me lead you. And, um, and I'll turn to it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it too. Um, Psalm 32. Psalms? Yes, Psalm 32. Oh, Psalms. Okay. Yes. Verses 8 and 9. But I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. So when you yeah. have it, just let me know. Ready? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So in the Passion Translation, Psalms 32, 8 and 9, it says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. And so that there he's, he's, he's um, communicating his love and his comfort. And he's like, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to tell you every step to take. I will not leave you. I promise. That's what he's saying. And also in that is, so let me lead you. Because in the next verse, he goes on to say, so don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Okay? So he's saying, don't, don't be hard. <laughs> don't be difficult. Just follow me. Trust me. I promise. It's all good. Just trust me. Okay? Uh-huh. And I'm reminded of a, a prophetic word I received um, from a sister in Christ in 2000. 2011-2012, and this was around the time that God told me, this is a whole other supernatural story, I'll tell it, it's a great story, but just for, the, um, for time's sake, I'll say it like this. So God had told me that I would be coming to St. Croix. He, he, told, he woke me up out of my sleep, and on my phone there was a picture of a map of North America going down to South America, and the Lord says, you're going there. And so I'm thinking I'm going to South America. I didn't see the little bitty, itty bitty islands. At the time, I, did, I had never heard of St. Croix. I didn't know how to spell St. Croix. I'm trying to look it up. I know nothing about St. Croix. But this is what the Lord says he's going to do. He says he's going to put me there. Okay. And so, and at the time, I was not in the workforce. I was just at home with the Lord all day, every day, seeking him. I had even been on a shut-in, just hadn't gone anywhere. Uh-huh. And so, um, he tells me I'm going to go to St. Croix. Okay, and then he puts me back in the workforce as a traveling speech therapist. Up to that point, I had, you know, worked in the city where I lived. I, I was there, but now I'm a traveling speech therapist, and I didn't know it then, but my assignments would last anywhere from two weeks up to nine months. And I would travel to different cities every time these assignments were over. So between the time he told me I'd be going to St. Croix and the time I actually started my travel assignment, I received this prophetic word from this um, sister in Christ, and she says, the Lord says, let me lead you. And she said, she said, I don't know if you're one to jump out in front of the Lord and just do what you want to do. And, I don't, and I'm like, no, that's, that's not me. That's not me. Well, the Lord explained. He says, just let 
me lead you because you're going to go on a meandering journey. It's not going to make any sense. It's like you're going to go one place just to come back to another. He, he didn't even explain all that. That came later. But the point is I was going on a meandering journey, and he just wanted me to let him lead me. And that's what he's saying to us today. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about how crazy it feels. He even, I was with my goddaughters one day, and we were watching a show about roller coasters. You, you all know what a roller coaster is? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, no, I don't no, no, no. like roller coasters. I, I do not like roller coasters. Absolutely not. And we're watching this show, and the TV camera is on the roller coaster ride with the people, and we're so it's just like we're on it, doing all the loopy loops upside down and everything else. And I'm talking about we're all we're breathing hard, like we were on the ride because that's how real this show was. <laughs> and. And the people on the show were like, oh, I've written it 26 times. I want to do it again. I was like, oh, my God, I do not. No, that is so not me. And my doctor was like, Mama Kay, don't you want to ride? No, I do not. And then God spoke to me. He says, do you know why those people enjoy those roller coaster rides so much? I said, no, Lord, I sure don't. He said, because it's the excitement. It's the anticipation. It's the unpredictability of it. And they get a rush off of it. And he says, I'm getting ready to take you on a roller coaster ride. But understand that I am the seat. You are sitting inside of me. And that bar that comes down over you, that is the Holy Spirit. So you just hold on to the Holy Spirit and go with me. It's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be the ride of your life. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be, and it has been. And people have said, oh, my gosh, Catherine, you have such a sense of adventure. It came from that right there where the Lord told me <laughs> to treat him like a roller coaster. And it's just uh-huh. lead you. And I'm feeling safe. Even though it's a wild ride, it's unpredictable, it's upside down, it can be scary, it can be all of that. But I know that I'm sitting in him and I'm held in by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm comfortable and at rest letting him lead me. And that is what God wants to do with us. Okay? Yeah. yeah. That is the same as let go and let God. Yes, exactly. You know, you yes. Right. yes, that is right. And so our foundational scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16. And if somebody would like to read that, just let me know who who will read it. But Isaiah chapter 42, verse 16, and this has been our foundational scripture. Okay. And I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and cook things straight. These things will I do unto them and not ever seek them. Amen. 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 Praise God. So he says, I'm going to bring the blind by a way that they know not. Um, and and um, the blind in this situation, we're not talking about the people who are blind because they refuse right. to see. We're not right. talking about the people who are blind because they don't want to know the truth. We're not talking about those people. We're talking about people who are blind simply because they don't recognize where they are. And and when when you're in a new place, 
there are some things you just don't know to look for. But once you learn to look for them, you see them. And so this is yes. what God is saying. Yeah. And so this is what God is saying. I will bring, and he's talking to us, but I'm going to call us the blind. He says, I will bring you, the blind, by a way that you know not. You are not blind because you refuse to see. No, you are blind because you are going to unfamiliar places, walking unknown paths, and there are things you have not yet learned to see and recognize. But I'm going to show them to you, and you will receive perfect vision. Okay, perfect vision. And the Lord spoke to me um, back in December, January-ish, that 2020 is the year of perfect vision. And, you know, that sounds cliche because people think 2020 vision, um, perfect vision, they're the same thing. But guess what? They are not. No. 2020 vision is when you are standing. It's a measure of your clarity of vision and your sharpness of vision. It's when you're standing 20 feet away from an object and you see that object exactly like it should be seen. You have normal vision. Okay? But perfect vision includes so many different aspects of our vision. It includes depth perception. It includes peripheral vision. It includes color vision. It includes um, eye coordination and focusing ability. All of these things. And so a person can have 20-20 vision without having perfect vision. All right? But God is saying to us that we are going to have perfect vision. He's going to make sure all aspects of our vision are working correctly and are working together so that we can see things exactly as he wants us to see them. They're not going to be distorted with um, imaginations that exalt themselves against the word of God. They're not going to be distorted by our soulish feelings that get in the way. They're not going to be distorted by offense that we might take at what somebody says or what they do. God says we're going to have perfect vision. He's taking us down ways that we don't know, but he's leading us down them. And he says, so do not fear. I'm going to lead you in paths that you have not known. And get this, this is the part. Like when he told me to sit in the, in the um, roller coaster, he says, indeed, it is I who have brought you to these paths. So when you're going somewhere, when you're, and I'm talking about through life, these metaphorical paths, and things don't look right, things, it's, it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's not because you've taken a misstep. It's not because you missed God. God says, I brought you to these And that is so wonderful because that means there are treasures there that he's going to help us find in the midst of what seems like craziness, in the midst of the darkness. And the darkness just represents stuff that we don't know. So God has wonderful, wonderful treasures for us. He says, so when you look and find yourself in unfamiliar places, do not fear, do not fret. I am going to make darkness into light before you. I am going to shine the light of my revelation on things that you do not know so that you will know but you did not know before. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I have determined in my sovereignty to do this for you. I have determined to do this of my own free will because I love you. Ooh, I love it when he loves me. Okay. 
<laughs> he says, not because of anything that you have done or anything that you have not done, simply because I love you and I want to do Will you receive? Will you learn of me? And my answer is, yes, Lord, yes, yes. I learn of you. Hallelujah. And so, um, and so that's, that's, that's the word that we're going on. And, and he's talking about giving us perfect vision. Yes. And so I want to define the word vision um, from the Bible. So let's turn to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. Yes. And it's going to be verse 18, just the first part of it. Proverbs 29. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. This definition of vision. Um, when I looked it up in the original language, which is Hebrew for the Old Testament, a vision is a revelation by means of a vision or an oracle or a divine communication. Okay? And it's not referring to the vision itself. It's not referring to the oracle itself or to the divine communication itself. That word vision is referring to the message that is conveyed through the vision. Okay? And so, it's Just possible. Again, sorry. Yeah. Um, just, sorry. Can you repeat that again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the word vision, it means it's, it's, it's a revelation by means of a vision, by means mm-hmm. of an oracle, which is usually spoken, and by means of a divine communication, like even the Bible is a divine communication. Okay? Uh-huh. So, but the, the word vision does not refer to that vision itself or to that oracle itself or to the divine communication itself. It refers to the message that comes through the vision. The okay. message that comes through the oracle, the message that comes through the, the um, divine communication. So just for example... I'll use the Bible. The Bible is a divine communication from God to us, right? Right, right. It's, it's his word to us. But don't you know that it's possible to read the Bible and understand it with our minds but still miss the message that God is trying to communicate? Yes, yes it's true. Yes. Yes. It happens. Yes, it happens. And so... Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You all sound like you can relate. <laughs> no, I relate to right? You know, you go through the Bible, and then one day I was reading, and I was like, well, I didn't know this was in the Bible. I said I went to the Bible already. Before, You know, right. so that's why mm-hmm. I say things. it's true. The more you read it, it, it seems the like it's pop out at you. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's increased revelation coming, right? That's what it is, okay. and that's what it's talking about, giving us um, perfect vision, giving us job, increased, yes. increased revelation. Now, let me talk about another. Good morning. Morning. Thank you, Thank you for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and so um, 
we're just talking about um, how we're talking about the definition of vision. We just read Proverbs 29:18, the first part where it says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." And we're talking about how it's God's desire. God said that 2020 is the year of perfect vision, and so God is He's 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 firming up every aspect of our vision so that we would see things as they are supposed to be seen. Not with normal vision, but with perfect vision, with every part of our, every aspect of our vision working in coordination with each other. And only God can show that to us. And so um, Proverbs 29:18 says that without a vision, the people perish. And so we're defining the word vision. And vision is a, um, it is an actual vision or it's an oracle, which is often a spoken word, or a divine communication. And I'm using the Bible as an example of divine communication. But the word vision, the definition of the word vision, isn't so much about the actual vision or the actual oracle or the actual divine communication as much as it is about the message that is conveyed through the vision, the oracle, or the communication. And so we're talking about how it's possible to read the Bible and still miss the message. And um, Sister Norford and Sister Paris just shared how, um, yeah, sometimes they're reading the Bible and they're like, wait a minute, I've read this before, but I didn't see this. You know, we're talking about how God gives us increased revelation. And maybe that's because we're at a point now where we can receive it. Um, maybe that's because we've matured in our spiritual development and God can trust us with this revelation now. There are lots of different reasons. But another reason is because sometimes we don't get a correct understanding of the Bible in the beginning. And when we don't get a correct understanding, then when we try to apply that word to our life, because we're not understanding it correctly, then we're not using it correctly. And when we're not using it correctly, then we're not going to see the manifestation that we desire. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Okay, and so I just want to give you a couple of, of examples. Um, everybody knows about Job, right? Yes. You all know about Job in the Bible? Let's turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1? Yes. And so we know Job was a righteous man. We know Satan asked God, you know, to put Job into his hands. And God says, why are you asking me? He's already in your hands. Okay. okay. And you know that in a day, Job experienced so much um, disaster. All of his children were killed. All of his livestock was taken. Yeah. All of this. And so now we're going to catch up with Job in chapter 1, verses um Verses 21 and 22, if somebody would please read that. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor changed godly, foolishly. Nor changed God foolishly. Charged or charged God. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, uh, he didn't yeah. blame God. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. So in all, because we know that people say, "Oh my gosh, you have the patience of Job," right? Because Job went yeah. through all of this, but not once did he curse God. Not once. And so that's that's what we know Job for. But here, you know, in all of this, all of this calamity I just described. This is Job saying, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. Then this is the part a lot of people like to quote. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, what we need to understand is even though this is in the Bible, that statement is not true. That statement is Job speaking out of his level of understanding. God is not a God who gives and takes away. That's no. Not, that's not how he operates. Okay? Now, what happened? Let's find out what really happened. Let's turn over to Job chapter 3 and read verses 25 and 26. <coughs> So the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Okay, so this is what really happened to Job. It's not that God gave him all of those blessings and then took those blessings away. But Job said, for the thing which I greatly feared has come from me. Job was living and walking in fear, especially where his children were concerned. That's why he would make give a sacrifice every day for his children just in case they sin. Yes. And that was jo and then guess what happened? All of his children were destroyed. So he says, The thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. You remember a few minutes ago I said, you know, Satan asked God to put Job into my hands, and God says, why are you asking me? He's already in your hands. The reason Job was always in his hands is because even though God had a hedge of protection around him, Job opened up that hedge with his fear. When we tolerate fear in our lives and we operate in fear, then we are creating an opening in God's hedge of protection that he has around us. And we are giving the devil an entryway into our lives. And that is how the enemy, that's how the devil was able to come into Satan, um, excuse me, into Job's life and touch all that he had, except for his health. God put that boundary of the line, rather. And so when we hear, you know, there's some people who say, oh, the Lord gave and the Lord take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That was a wonderful statement of faith by Job, according to his understanding. But that was not a true statement for us to take and live by today, because God does not take and God does not, um, God does not give and take away. But God does restore, because even after all this, God gave Job double what he had. That's God's image, but not giving and taking away. So when we have an improper understanding of the word, 
and we have tried to apply it in that way, then it's like, so, okay, if I had finances and then due to this coronavirus, now my bank account is empty, and I'm saying the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, okay, fine, that shows that I trust in God, but it's showing that I don't know Him. And how can I believe Him to give me more? Or how can I, how can I, how, I'm attributing this calamity to Him when that's not him. And so if I'm looking at God through this lens of he can take it away at any time he wants, or he can cause this destruction at any time he wants, then I am not going to have a proper relationship with God because I'm not, I'm not going to trust in his love for me. I'm, I'm not going to, am I, I feel like I'm drifting. Is this making sense to you all? It makes sense. It's yeah. making sense, right? But only one thing um, with me, um, I just was saying, like, you know, when Jonah and God had made the shade over him, yeah. and then Jonah still was murmuring, and then the conquer won't eat down all of, all of that. What we say is not God who caused the conquer won't eat down the tree. I don't know. And because of how he was behaving, the conquer won't eat off the tree when he see the next day. Yeah. So, why do you say, who, who caused that? God or the devil? So, what happened, God told Jonah, go, I want you to take this word to the people in Nineveh. Their sin is so terrible. I can't stand it anymore. I need, to, I need you to give them this word. And Jonah was like, hmm, not going to be able to do it. And so, he got on a boat. He paid money to go on a boat to go in the opposite direction of God. Now, that is a law right there. He paid money. And he got on the boat, and God sent a storm. God was sending correction. God was sending some redirection. And Jonah was not paying attention to it. All the other people on the boat, they were praying to their gods, and what have we done? What have we done? What can we do to make it better? They threw stuff over the side of the ship and everything, and the storm was still there. They went down to the bottom and found Jonah asleep. And they're like, what is up with you? Pray to your God. Find out what is going on. What have you done? And so um, finally they drew short straws to find out who had sinned and who had caused this evil to come upon them. And sure enough, it was Jonah. And Jonah says, yes, I, I know it's me. I'm, I'm Just throw me over the side and, you know, you guys will be all right. You know, I'm running from God. And even then, the guys, they're like, no, we're not going to throw you over. And they tried to row. They tried, they tried, they tried to no avail. And so finally they, they prayed to God. They called out to God, God, you know, don't allow us to perish behind this and we're getting ready to throw him overboard, but don't let him, don't, don't let his death be on our hands. Um, you do what seems good to you to do with, with this man. I mean, even then they cried out to God. They threw Jonah over. There was a peace. And they were in awe, and they began to worship God. They began to make vows to God. They began to serve God. Ooh, praise God. See, God has a way. Um, but in the meantime, God allowed a big fish to come and swallow Jonah. And it was in the belly of that fish that Jonah cried out for repentance, and God caused the fish to spit him out. And God tried it again. He says, all right, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. This time it says, no. <laughs> it says Jonah went. And he obeyed to the letter. That's what um, the message translation says. He, he, he obeyed to the letter. King James says he did according to the word of the Lord. 
And so he went to Nineveh and he told them in 40 days, you guys are going to be over because of your sin. And the people humbled themselves. They fasted. They prayed. They called out to God. And um, God heard God heard their cry. God saw their change of heart. And God decided to forgive them. Well, guess what? When God decided to forgive them, Jonah got angry. And he was like, see, God, that's why I ran away in the first place, because I knew you were a God of mercy. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew all this. I knew you'd forgive them. That's why I ran away in the first place. He was hot. <laughs> he was hot. And so he went, and he made himself a makeshift shade tree, and he was sitting under that. And then it says God caused a bigger, better gourd, a bigger, better shade tree to raise up over, to deliver him from his grief. In other words, to make him feel better. And Jonah was like, hey, things are looking up. I like this shade tree. Uh Uh-huh. And then I believe it was the next day God sent a worm. This is the worm that Sister Norford was asking about. The next day God sent a worm. And the worm began to eat the shade tree. And now the shade tree becomes so spotty that sun can come down through it, but not not just any sun. God caused a scorching sun to come through. So now Jonah's hot, and he's so mad. He's like, I'm so mad I could die. He's just, oh my God, he's just fit to be tied. And then God comes to him and says, Jonah, what is your problem? What right do you have to be upset about this shade tree that you did not plant? You did not water? You had nothing to do with it. You were happy about it one day, and now you're angry about it the next? If you have such occasion to feel one way about this tree one day and one way about it the other, and you had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with its existence, how much more right do I have as God, first of all, and as God of these people, how much more right do I have to be angry with them one day because of their sin, but then pleased the next because of their repentance? That's a lesson in humility. Humble yourself. You didn't create anything. You didn't do anything. What, why are you going through all these changes? What right do you have to go through these changes? So that's the story of Jonah. But to get back to Sister Norford's question, yes, God did send the worm. That's my correction. God did send the worm. But it was not to punish Jonah. It was to give him an object lesson, and it was to correct his ways. So thinking. I want to go to a second example of how we can misunderstand the word and then therefore misappropriate the words. All right? Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 2. And we will look at verse 42. Verse 42. I think. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. What did I say? Luke chapter 22? Luke 2. Oh, sorry. Luke 22. I changed it. Luke chapter 22. 22? 22? 22 verse 42. This is the story of Jesus in the garden. He took his, uh, the, the three disciples with him, and then he drew away from them and went further into the garden, and now he's praying. Yeah. Okay, so we'll read that. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
Okay. But so the time began. The time began. So we are very familiar with this, right? Not my will, but thine be done. And we we use that a lot when we're believing God, or when we're asking God for something, and we'll say, "Lord, I would like this, but not my will, but thine be done." Has anybody ever done that before? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. And so there's a time to do that, like what we just saw with Jesus. Okay, so in this scripture, Jesus said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus knew what the cup was. The cup was that he should go to the cross. The cup was yes. that he should be crucified. He knew that. And he says, if, if you're willing, God, if there's any way, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will. So if you're not willing to remove this cup, okay. It's not my will. It's yours be done. But Jesus was saying that because he knew what the will of God was, but his flesh was like, oh, my goodness, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it that way, right? It wasn't praying and saying, I don't know what God's will is. So, um, God, if it be your will, please give me a raise. God, if it be your will, please, you know, whatever it is that we're desiring. So, we, we have the ability to know what God's will is. Jesus did not pray that will blindly. Jesus prayed that knowing what God's will was and then coming into submission. God, if you're willing, let's change it. But if you're not willing, then I just line up with you and let's do it. That's what he was saying. But he knew what the will was. He wasn't, you know, blindly praying something and being like, okay, if God does it, then it was meant to be. And if God doesn't do it, then it wasn't meant to be. And that's how a lot of saints use that saying, not my will, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so with that, with that, we'll get into that later. It is God's will. It's God's desire for us to know his will. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why he's given us his word. He wants us to know his will. We'll talk more about that later. But with these two examples, do you see what I'm saying that it's possible to read the word of God and still miss the point? It's possible to misunderstand it and therefore misapply it. Okay? And so when you don't use it right, then you're not going to get the right results. And then what happens to a lot of people, they're like, oh, this faith thing doesn't work. This Bible thing doesn't work. God does not answer prayer. They end up having a false understanding of God and they give up. Uh So that's why it's important. But this is what God says for us. He says, in 2020, you're going to get the point. You're going to know what to do with what I've told you, and you will reach the expected end that I have for you. You're going to get the message behind the word. You're going to get the revelation, not just of the word, but revelation of um, the message behind the word and revelation of how to use the word to get the expected end that I have for you. Amen? Amen. That's stuff to me. That's very exciting to me. Okay. And so last week, 
um, the message was on the message behind Resurrection Day. The message behind Resurrection Day. We know, you know, and people call it Easter. It's the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And so um, a lot of times, though, Christians, hmm, how should I, Holy Ghost, help me. What do you want me to say? All right. So then we'll do it like this. All right. And so last week we talked about what I'm calling like the most popular salvation scripture ever. John chapter 316. We know that by heart, don't we? Yes. John 316. Um, But I want us to put our eyes on it because Holy Spirit's going to show us something different. He's going to give us some some new revelation on it, some fresh revelation on it. And so somebody can read it when they get it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. And so we use the scripture a lot as a salvation scripture, right? But we're telling people about Jesus, and we're telling people about how much God loved us. We we use this as a, a going to heaven scripture, a getting saved scripture, salvation mm-hmm. scripture. Um, Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. What What comes to your mind when you say that word perish? What does that word perish mean to you when you say it in this context? You're going to experience bad stuff. And that's how I took it, too. Whoever believes in Jesus is not going to go to hell, but they will live with God forever. Right? Okay. And so what about for people who have already received Jesus? How does the scripture apply to them? And this is what God ministered to us last week. Um Many times when we think about Easter, we think about Resurrection Day, the understanding is that we will get to go live with God in heaven one day. We receive Jesus, we're not going to go to hell, and one day we get to go live with God in heaven. Does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, for believers, many times we tend to celebrate Jesus going to the cross, and, you know, and he died for our sins. Right? And we know that he, you know, he, he rose from the dead, and yay, and we get to go to heaven. But when it comes to us living our everyday lives, we tend to stop at Jesus dying on the cross. And I think I remember the words of this one song that says, um, even from the grave, he is Lord. Right? Yes. But he's not in the grave. He's not in the grave. And if we as believers tend to think of Jesus still on the cross, or we tend to think of Jesus still in the grave, then we are going to miss the point, miss the message, miss the revelation of Jesus' even coming to earth. Okay? Because salvation does not lie in the cross. And salvation does not lie in the grave. 
after Jesus rose again, he rose from death. He, he went to hell during that time that his body was dead. He went to hell, but he rose again. He came back to earth, but he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. So guess where Jesus is now? He's in heaven. He's in heaven. He's sitting at, yes, he's in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Yes, and when you're at the right hand, that's a place of power. Mm-hmm. But not only is Jesus living in heaven, for those of us who have received him as Savior, he also lives in our hearts. In our hearts. He lives inside of us. And because he lived inside of us, you remember when he, he rose and, and he told his disciples, God has given me all power. He's given all power into my yeah. hands. So Jesus is sitting in heaven with all power in his hands, but Jesus is also sitting inside of us with all power in his hands. Hallelujah. And Amen. Jesus, with all power in his hands, is inside of us, and he wants to live through us. And he told the disciples, he says, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Overcoming Jesus with all power in his hands, living on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And so if Jesus has already overcome the world and he's living on the inside of us, then guess what? We have overcome the world. So there are some situations, lots of situations, that we don't have to walk through like those who don't know Jesus walk through them. People who don't know Jesus might get bogged down and depressed and they might experience, you know, all kinds of sickness and disease and poverty and lack. But we as children of God, that's not our portion. We have salvation. And salvation is more than just going to heaven. And get this, salvation isn't even just going to heaven one day after we die. We are already in heaven because not only does Jesus live in us, but we are seated in heavenly places in him. Turn to, um, well, let's look at the definition of salvation first, okay? I'm just going to read it. When I looked it up in the Greek... When we receive Jesus, we get saved. And that word saved in the Greek is sozo. And it means, remember, it doesn't just mean to go to heaven. It means to be saved from danger. It means to be saved from suffering. It means to be saved from sickness and to be made whole. And that word whole has the idea of shalom with it. And shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. Um, to be saved means to have spiritual and eternal salvation. To be saved is to have God's present power to, the, um, to deliver from the bondage of sin. His present power. So when we're dealing with that temptation, like Jesus was dealing with the temptation in the wilderness, we have salvation. We have God's help and we have his power 
to not fall into that temptation, to not go through with that sin, and to not have sin lord over us. And we have the deliverance, when we are saved, we have deliverance from the wrath of God at the end of this age. That's what those will experience who don't receive Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. Our judgment day is not going to be about whether we go to heaven or hell. Our judgment day is going to be about how many jewels we receive for our crown. How, how many times did we allow God to do through us what he wanted to do through us? Uh-huh. How many times did he say, Sister Kay, uh, or Kathy, he's not going to call me Sister Kay. He was like, Catherine, I want you to start this ministry. And I said, oh, no, Lord, I'm not worthy. Or, oh, no, Lord, nobody's going to come. Or, oh, no, Lord, I don't have the money. <laughs> I just lost some jewels. I just lost it. He's gonna, on Judgment Day, he's going to play that back for me. He's like, I wanted to get glory through your life. And instead of trusting yes. in me, you trusted in you. So you are forfeiting those jewels. Yeah. But then when he looks and says, oh, yes, Catherine, you did. You st- mm-hmm. During the time of the coronavirus, you started the Bible study on Sunday morning. You weren't sure who was going to show up. You, wasn't, you weren't sure yes. if they were going to receive the word. You weren't, but you did it out of obedience. You let me work through you. Here is your crown. Here is your jewel. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. That's what our judgment day is going to consist of. Praise the Lord. All right, and so then um, we've got the noun form of the word saved. And the noun form, when we are saved, we have salvation. And that word salvation in the Greek is soteria. And it means deliverance, preservation, salvation. I love this. It means material, so like stuff here on this earth, material and temperance, uh, temporal, temporal deliverance from danger and, and apprehension. So that means... We have uh, deliverance from economic calamity. We have deliverance from health issues. We have deliverance from natural disasters. That's why yeah. if you think about um, just a real clear example, thinking about the children of Israel, you know, in Egypt, when Moses went to tell Pharaoh, let, let my people go, and the, the children of Israel, they lived in Goshen. And that's why when all the plagues were attacking Egypt, the children of Israel were covered in Goshen. They were affected by the plagues. We can walk that same way in this earth. Even with the coronavirus that's going on, we don't have to be affected the same way as the world is affected because we have Jesus, the one who's already overcome the world, with all power in his hands living on the inside of us. This is what salvation is, and it's for the here and now, not just for the by and by. Once our bodies die. Um, and, and the word salvation, I love this. The Lord's been ministering to me about this the last few months. It means help. Just help, whatever kind of help we need. You know, when things get to be too much or when, um, uh, when, when just, Lord, how am I going to get all this work done? Lord, who's going to help me do this? It's help. Salvation is help. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm serious. He does. He's got angelic assistance waiting for us. He's got angels that go before Man. us and help us. He's got people that he's touched their hearts and called them alongside us to help. And then we've got the help of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the helper. I mean, we have supernatural Man. Help, hallelujah. Glory to God. I can stop right there. That blesses me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And salvation is inclusivity of all of God's blessings. 
um, that he has made possible for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the finished works of Jesus. Salvation is all of that, and we can be experiencing that now, here, on this earth. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience it. Another way of saying it is we don't have to go through hell to get to heaven. God has a good life for us now. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so let's look at um, Ephesians chapter 2. So time to start wrapping this up. It's been about an hour already. You guys are hanging in there. That's good. Are you enjoying it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to read verses 5 and 6. One verse up. Let's start in verse 4 and then read through 6. I apologize. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace we are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, he, oh my God, so rich in his mercy and great love wherewith he loved us. I have to read this in the Amplified because if you don't know how in love God is with you, I just want to let you know. He says, But God, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. He gave us Jesus. Hallelujah. And not only did he give us Jesus, I mean, we're saying that salvation is not in the cross, salvation is not in the grave, but salvation is in the risen Savior who is now sitting in heavenly places um, at the right hand of the Father. And not only is he living in our hearts, but according to the scripture, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We have dual citizenship. We are citizens of heaven and we're citizens of earth. And actually... Let me get that right. We're citizens of heaven, and we, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are ambassadors here on earth. So when we get to see our true selves, then we get to see how we are really supposed to operate in this earth, how we can walk above the circumstances, how we can be victorious in every single one, because we have Jesus living on the inside of us with all power in his hands. He's already overcome the world. And and in First John it says that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus okay. is victorious, so we are victorious in this world. Jesus is healed, so we are healed in this world. Jesus is prosperous, so we are prosperous in this world. But it takes us having a clear vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And that word perish. That now in the in the in John three sixteen what we just talked about. Yes, we think about it as people going to hell, being utterly destroyed is what it means. In the um, Old Testament, what I'm talking about now, where there is no vision, the people perish. It means the people wander aimlessly. The people cast off restraint. They walk around lost in darkness. Why? Because they have no vision. And when we walk around lost long enough, we get so lost that we don't want to be found. 
That's the blind, the people who don't want to see. But God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, should not be utterly destroyed as a result of walking around so lost that they don't want to be found anymore. But they shall have everlasting life. Uh-huh. Now you got to just follow me with this real quick, okay? So if Jesus, whoever receives Jesus, whoever believes in Jesus, shall not perish. According to that Old Testament scripture, people who do not perish have a vision. And the Old Testament says those without a vision perish. So we can uh-huh. change that around and say that those with a vision do not perish. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be that vision for us. The Bible says several times that Jesus is the express image of God's brightness. That when we beheld Jesus, when he was walking the earth, it says when we beheld him, we beheld the glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus made God visible. Jesus came with a message, and the message is that we can live a holy life. We can live a victorious life. There is not a single battle that Jesus lost. Even in going to the cross, he wasn't losing. He was winning because he was fulfilling the destiny that God had given to him. And when Jesus came, a lot of people think, well, that was Jesus. I can never be Jesus. I can never be. But guess what? Jesus didn't come to be an example for us. He didn't come to be something that we, would, that we should aspire to. Jesus came to be a sample of us. The life that Jesus lived would be the life that Adam lived had he never surrendered to the devil, had he never eaten that fruit. Adam yeah. would have lived that same life. But when Adam sinned, then he gave all power to the devil. That's why Jesus had to come. Jesus took it back. Now all power is in his hands. And guess what? He gave it to us. Amen. And so now we can live that victorious life. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so I think we'll pick up there next time. Ooh, this yes. is good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Lord. the Lord. God, thank you, Lord. Does anybody have anything they'd like to, to contribute? Anything they'd like to add? Whew. Any takeaways they got for this week? Anything at all? Okay. All right. Oh, well, praise God. Oh, I thank you all so much for being here, and I, I believe that you were blessed. I pray that you were blessed. And not only that, I believe that some connections were made, um, just things that you already knew, but now things that you know on a deeper level or, or things that you knew but hadn't pieced together yet. I just believe that some connections have been made. I believe that some things have been unlocked that you will see in soon coming days. You will find things happening in your life. You'll be like, whoa. Okay, all right, and it's going to be the manifestation of this word coming forth 
in your life. You're going to find yourself walking more victoriously than you have. You're going to find yourself walking victoriously in different areas than you have before. You're going to find yourself just lit up. <laughs> Amen. Oh my goodness. So praise God. So I'm just I'm just excited about what God is doing in your life. Hallelujah. Um so is there anyone who would like to close us out in prayer? I'll count to three and then I'll pray. One, two, three. Okay. Lord, thank you so much for your word. As Jeremiah said, thy, thy words were found and I did eat them. Thy word is unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. We thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for your revelation. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the message, the point behind scriptures that we've read so many times before, behind the words that we've seen. Before. We thank you for taking us deeper in you, and we thank you for taking us higher in you. And we thank you, Lord, just for continued revelation. Holy Spirit, continue to minister this word to us throughout the week. Um, ah, yes, Lord, we've, yes, yes, yes. We prepare room for you. We prepare room for you in our hearts to continue to minister this word and to show us things um, that we have not seen before. And we just thank you so much. And we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. I speak blessing over these that have joined me today, Lord. And I just um, speak your prosperity in, you, in their lives. I speak your peace in their lives. I speak increase with the increase of God in their lives in the name of Jesus. I speak your protection and I thank you for just um, letting them be the light in their respective worlds, Lord, that people would see you shining through them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Mr. Okay. Wow, what a feast. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. To God be the glory. If you want to learn more about our ministry, you can go to our website at www.godslovesongministries.com. Amen. Loving you with the love of the Lord. You be blessed.